All right. Um, so this weekend on Saturday, I wasn't here because my son, you can put that slide up. My son, Ezekiel, the long-haired hippie one, he ran a 5K. And what he usually does is uh, like, at, yeah, overall for his division, right? Yeah, he's, he's, he, his hair makes him run like the wind. Um, so this is the deal with, with Ezekiel. He's been, Ella, my, my older daughter, she's been, my oldest daughter, she's been running a lot of races lately because she joined this program. And then Ezekiel and I were talking about this guy named Eric Liddell. How many of you guys ever heard of Eric Liddell? Yes, because you guys are godly people. Right, yes. All right, so there was this book I was reading about one of the you know, great, great men or whatever. Eric Liddell was on that list. And uh, Eric Liddell was this Olympic runner. He was not supposed to be you know, uh, fantastic. He didn't have a lot of the, you know, um, um, he was just one of those guys that just kind of came out of nowhere. He started racing and winning all the races. He eventually went to the Olympics, but he was such a, uh, thank you. He was such a godly person. He wanted to become a missionary. So he stopped running. He stopped running and decided to become a missionary. Well, in, in, uh, uh, in world war two, when Japan was, uh, you know, of course, uh, fighting the, uh, yes, thank you. Uh, no, no, that's a different guy. Sorry. Yeah, good try. But anyway, he was he was put into a, a, ja a Japanese uh, concentration camp, and uh, he eventually died there. Right. Uh, but he was very, very passionate about the Lord and very passionate about running at the time when he was a runner. And Ezekiel uh, heard me talking about that. He got really, really excited. And he's like, I want to run. I'm like, OK, I want to be like Eric Liddell. So I give him a little biography like a, you know, like a a young reader's biography of Eric Liddell. He reads it like in a couple of days and he's like, I'm going to be a runner. So we sign him up for running and track. Yeah, seriously. And then like he just runs. He runs like the wind and it's nuts. And like uh, I think we were training at Ella's because uh, I ran with her for one of her practice things. And uh, it was a 5K, so it's 3.2 miles. And he was just like, I'm not done yet. I want to keep running. So he ran 10K just in a practice because he just felt like it because he wanted to be Eric Liddell, a little Asian <laughs> Pocahontas looking Eric Liddell. So, well, he just, last week he just ran Ella's uh, 5K for her program, and um, he beat the first heat. Uh, there's like, they, they break them up into little heats so that they, they don't all bunch together. Well, he was like third, the third heat, and he beat, um, he beat everyone from the second heat. So he went ahead of that. And then and this race, this is for, uh, for Run Hard. It's a, it's a boys program, but there's boys and girls. But uh, it was a, a very, very big race, and he was the last heat and he beat everyone uh, from all the heats, basically. He, like, he was up in the very, very beginning. Like, he, he, like, he just sprinted the whole way. So the, oh, the, overall winner, the, the, the overall winner was eighth grade. He was an eighth grader, and he got 20 minutes and 30 seconds. Ezekiel, uh, fifth grade, he got 22 minutes flat. So, and I asked him, and he got invited to the championship race because he won overall. The championship race, race is next Saturday. And I asked him, do you think you could cut off a uh, minute and 30 seconds off your time? He's like, I wasn't even running that hard. <laughs> uh, and, and if you know Ezekiel, you know he's a little punk. You know? he's, he's like, yeah, I can do that. You know? So he's going to try to win overall. I don't, I don't know how, what he's going to do. But, um, but uh, the funny thing happened is Ezekiel is a punk. You know him. If you guys know him and hang out with him, he thinks he's like awesome because he's won swords in Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, tournaments. And he's like, a, you know, like one of those kids that's super confident. Uh, 
at birthday parties, like the, uh, he had like a, his friend had a jujitsu birthday party. And so for fun, the, the teacher, the, the instructor had him beat up like the older, bigger kids. And he would just beat him up, like totally tear him apart, like, you know, armbar him and choke him out. And, and they don't know what's happening. He just thinks it's awesome. So he's like, has this really inflated, uh, you know, idea of self. He thinks he's awesome. So my, 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 my other kids, they know this. So when he comes home, because it was just me and Raylan and then his uncle and aunt that went to the, to the race. When we got home, we are like, oh, man, your, your brother, he won uh, first place overall in his division. And they're like, eh, that's cool. That's great. Because they're like over him because he's, just, he's such a punk. Like he's so like he brags all the time. They're just like, eh, that's, right. that's fine. That's fine. Good job, Ezekiel. But they have no conviction in his voice at all. At all. They just don't care. And I can see on Ezekiel's face, when he came across the, uh, the finish line and we're screaming for him, like he got a burst of speed, his hair is whoosh, right? He comes through and he, says, he, has, he throws back a couple of Gatorade and he's like, man, I, I just blew, blew past everybody. But you know, in his heart, it's because he wants to be something. He's the middle child of five kids, right? It's hard to be somebody in the, as the middle child. And so he just wants to feel like he has a place, that he has a purpose. He has a, you know, like a gift, a talent, it makes him special. I see that because I'm, you know, this is what I do. And so I encourage him, I love him, I hug him, I'm so, I'm so proud of you. I hug him, he's like, ah, thanks, Papa, you know. But, but it feels good, like he feels like a million bucks. He walks through our house, I mean our door, front door of the house, and, and all of a sudden he's just like, you know, like they're like, like his oldest brother who like he looks up to, he won't ever say it, but he looks up to Josiah very much, and, and Josiah's like, hey, you know, that's a good job, buddy. You know, and then he goes back to like playing, you know, like board games or something like that, you know. And Ezekiel's like, you know, that's fine. Yeah, man, I'm awesome, whatever. You know, he just walks by, and he acts even like more of like a punk. Why does he do that? Because family matters. Okay? Remember that phrase, family matters. Today we are talking about how churches die. I know this is a very exciting topic for, for us. Mo many of you guys do not realize that churches have, have um, a birth and a death. No churches last forever. Capital church, the big church, like Jesus' church, right? That lasts forever, but individual churches do not last forever. So just because we exist as a church does not mean we have the right to exist or to continue to exist. We will have our own timeline. Now, the neat thing about it is God oftentimes gives us vision and purpose and heart. And when we begin to walk in those things, he starts to do amazing things through our church. When we stop doing those things, churches die. And I want to encourage you because we are at this incredible place. Look around you. I know it's a little bit awkward, but just do it anyway. Every, if everyone's doing it, it's not as awkward. Look around you. Look at, look at all these faces. Look at all these people. Statistically, our church is very, our, our youth ministry is very, 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 very different. In fact, um, the professor at CIU for youth ministry, he asked, she asked me to come and speak in, at one of their classes about multicultural youth ministry because we have such an anomaly in our church. We have African Americans in here. We have Filipino. And <laughs> Let's rewind. We got African Americans here. <laughs> Jem, did you just cheer for African Americans too? <laughs> She's like, I just want to be supportive. <laughs> Filipinos. We got, you know, Taiwanese, Chinese, you know, like we, we have. <laughs> was that too bad? <laughs> we have Korean. We have mixed kids, right? We have, uh, uh, his, uh, we have Hispanics like fish, right? Um, we <laughs> it's only funny because he's not Hispanic, not because you're a Hispanic. Um, you get what I'm saying? Like we, we are a very, very, very diverse group. 
right? And not only that, are we a, a very diverse group, like we have a purpose and a vision. Our, our, our uh, purpose statement is what? We exist, why? To honor Jesus. Serve others. Connect, equip, multiply, what? Culturally diverse students for the glory of God, right? Culturally diverse students. That's our call. Because if you walk, if you're like a white guy, like, okay, this is, this is what churches look like in America. You walk into a white church, and there's like one Asian, one black guy, and a hundred white people. You walk into a black church, and, and uh, this, uh, this pastor that, um, the, I'm sorry, the professor that asked me to speak at her multicultural, she's the youth pastor for a black church. She's this old white lady. It's awesome. You go to her church, it's all black people and her. <laughs> right? You walk into our, our adult service, it's all a bunch of Asians. You go downstairs to our cafeteria, it's intimidating because there's a sea of like angry like Korean ladies. <laughs> right? You gotta wade through it. They're not smiling at you. You're just like, I just want to get some pizza, you know. Like, we are a weird church. And then you come upstairs and you see this and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Why? Because God has given us a vision and a purpose that is very, 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 I think, on the heart of God. But just because we're up here right now doesn't mean we will stay up here. Why? The first point of how churches die, and I'm gonna, it's a series, so this is just the one I'm talking about today, is family matters. What matters? Pastor Hong, every week in the EM service, he says, we are! Are we? <laughs> every, everyone stops, they're like... Um, this is a little uncomfortable. Well, I'm not here to criticize Pastor Hong. I talked about it with my staff, and I, I, I thought about it. I was like, uh, maybe I was a little bit overly critical. The idea is that Pastor Hong's heart is that he does want us to become one family. Whether we will become one family or not is up to us. For you, for us, if family matters, and every week we talk about how we are a community, that we are a family, that we are loving each other, we're, we're pushing each other, encouraging other, each other towards Christ every single week, and yet we do not, we will be just like the EM service where Pastor Hong says, we are, and everyone's like, one family, but nobody believes that that's true. Everyone's like, wow, I just got heavy. <laughs> the gospel, right? The gospel is such that it is real, it is robust, it can handle anything, it resurrects, it changes lives, it saves us, yet we pretend like we have church every week. That can be very much what we do. You know those old people in a lot of these services? You know what they do? They have their own pew. If they were able, if we didn't have multiple services, they would have their name engraved in the, in the pew. A lot of the old churches used to do that. This is where the Smiths sit. This is where the Johnsons sit. And they spend their entire life. They lose their kids. The kids do not get saved. People aren't getting saved. People aren't coming into that church. They're not reaching their community. They sit there. They live there. They listen to sermons every week. They're pretending to have church. And they die. And nobody remembers. And they have not glorified the Lord. That's why we call them pew sitters. But we believe... Us, our leadership, you guys, I think you guys have been in missions enough, seen mission trips enough, gone on trips enough to where you guys know that we do not believe that. Yet it's our, it's our common uh, propensity. Our, 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 we constantly move towards becoming sedentary, sitting, becoming passive. That cannot be. The thing that you notice about me, I think, is that I, I, I like to call things as, as they are. Like when I'm up here, I don't like to mince words, pretend like things are better than they are. I'd rather just say, 
A couple weeks ago, remember, we were talking about how some people in our, in, our, in, our, in our student ministry don't feel like they belong. They feel like outsiders. They want to be insiders, but they feel like outsiders. Is that okay? No. That's something that we have to deal with. So when that comes up, then I have to talk about it because I know your hearts. I told the worship team last week, I said, sometimes when you guys come up here and sing, you're like, you're like this. And then, you know, Robin, of course, Robin always looks happy. But Robin sits there and just stares at his music and plays like this, you know. <laughs> Sharon, I love Sharon because when worship is rocking, Sharon starts smiling. When worship is going well, when me, the music is like, 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 you know, Julian, he starts to like bounce up a little and he starts to smile, right? I said, I know all of you feel that way. When Joshua Ha, I know Joshua Ha is super intense on like, he's technical, he wants to play it right. But I know when the music is kicking, he feels it and he gets excited, but it doesn't show on any of their faces. Robin's like, but inside, he's soaring like an eagle. He's soaring like a spiritual eagle over the mountains. They see the mountaintops. And, but it doesn't so, show on their faces. This is the deal. I told him, I said last week, I'm like, hey, I want you guys to, to express. I don't want you to fake. I don't want you to perform. I want what's on the inside to come on, out, come on the outside. Right? That's fair. It's not pretending. I know that they love worship. I know they sacrifice a lot. For you guys, I know your heart is for Jesus. Right? Your heart is for Jesus, and your heart is for others. That's the greatest commandment and the second greatest commandment. Jesus, others. Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? That's the greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the second greatest commandment. That's it. You are that. I see it in you all the time. However, sometimes we do not see it with each other. We don't. Sometimes you, there's a lot of reasons that you just don't reach out to your neighbor because you feel so uncomfortable. And you just feel comfortable and you want to, like, when you don't do that, you just feel comfortable. You want to stay comfortable. You want to come to church and you come to church because you want to hang out. Oh, we're going to get some bubble tea. When I come to church, I pack every week. I'm not going to be, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. I'm a human too. I pack my ping pong paddle. Because that is important to me, right? What's up? Ball is life. Just a smaller, white, small ball, right? It's just a little bit different. I pack it away because I love hanging out with you guys. I love, like, people are, my, my best friends, they all pissed off at me because my job is, what do you do? I hang out with people. What do you do? I go out to eat. I play ping pong, right? I go on trips. I'm like, oh, I have to go on a mission trip. They're like, shut up. I, I, I have to work like 60 hours a week in an office in a cubicle and, 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 and typing, right? And I'm just like, I guess I got to go to Peru. Right? I mean, my life is freaking awesome. I come to church and I want to hang out too. Yes, but I come to church to work. Not just to work like it's in my job, but because I want to change lives. My whole life is about discipleship. And your life is about discipleship. I think so. I think God is calling you to that. But we don't actively engage. We think church is something else. We come to church. Uh, I really like that song. It's a good song. Oh, there's JoJo. I'm going to hang out with JoJo. Maybe we'll go get some bubble tea. I love bubble tea and with JoJo. Bubble tea with JoJo. <laughs> right? That's what you think that church is about. No, man. You come in here, you sit down, and you're like, all right, who's next? I'm going to minister somebody. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna, you come in here because you want to engage with people that are hurting, that are broken. If God has done something in your life, which he has, I hear testimony after testimony up here. The staff, isn't that been amazing? Christy's testimony last week? I know God is doing something in your life. But you hold it in. You don't do anything with it. You pretend that church 
is about hanging out as a social club. This weekend, um, Julia Sweat's husband, Dave Sweat, Julia, if you don't know, she's a part of the EM worship team. She's a really sweet lady. She doesn't sing very well. She says it all the time. She's like, I don't even know why I'm here. I don't sing very well. You know why I have her on the worship team? Not because she's an amazing voice, man. When I'm like, okay, let's, let's sing Lord, I Need You. Samanim, Jenny Toops, right? Uh, Christy, um, like Joy at the time. Like we would just like four-part harmony. They're like working it out. Why don't you guys take the minor fourth or the fifth or something? I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. They just, it's like, oh, it's like angelic. And they just do it. But Julia's like, can you record that? Because I don't know how to sing that. I had to practice at home. But on Sunday morning when she worships, man, that's why I have her there because she is so in love with Jesus. She lost her daughter when she, uh, her daughter was 16 in a car accident. Her husband was in remission for cancer for years. He had a, a kidney cancer, right? The cancer came back. I thought it wasn't cancer, but they found out. They didn't, they didn't think it was cancer first. That's why I said it wasn't cancer, but they found cancer all over his lungs. So it took him really, really quickly. So this, was like, this is like the, 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 the timeline. Um, oh, can you pray for my husband? We went for a checkup and he has tumors. Um, okay, we, 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 we went to the doctor and they did a biopsy. It's not cancer. Um, can you pray for my husband? He's, he's getting those tumors taken out. Uh, my husband's on his deathbed. Can you pray? That was the timeline, and then he's dead. That's how fast it was. And I stand up here every week, and I tell you, life is hell. Life is hard. It will break you. There will be things in your life that will be tragic and terrible. And I sincerely believe, standing up here, that the gospel is bigger than that. That Jesus Christ, that your relationship with Jesus Christ is bigger than anything that you will have ever dealt with and will ever deal with in the future. So I can look Julie in the face, and I can hug her, and I can pray for her, and I can know that God will be faithful to her. But we come in here and we pretend like the gospel is nothing. We come into church and we act like church is nothing. We just come out to hang out. Oh, you remember when we used to go to church really faithfully and volunteer? That was fun. No. That's not what church is. We come to church. We are a family because family matters. When I say we are and you say one family, you say it with conviction because you believe that family matters. Because we're not playing church because we believe the gospel is real and that it can save people and it can heal people. This is the problem why churches die is because they are okay with pretending that the gospel is nothing. They pretend like the gospel doesn't matter. They act like the gospel doesn't matter. They pretend like they're, they're going to church for another reason. But really all they're doing is coming for fun. To hang out at the social club. To warm the pews. To listen to the pastor. To judge the music. To think, oh, I really like that song and sing along. No. We come here because somebody walks in that door and he is broken. He's dealing with his sexuality and he doesn't know how he feels. And he's afraid that everyone's going to judge him because at school, they're making fun of him. Or the girl that came in and she was sexually abused and she doesn't want to tell anybody and she's no, she doesn't want to hang out with boys and she doesn't know what to do. She's fear, full of fear. Or the kid that comes in here who's super insecure because their mom is verbally abusing them because they're not doing good in school. And Asians are supposed to do good in school. What are you, lazy? But they have a learning disability. They don't even know it. But they come here, and guess what happens? They're ignored? No, 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 no. That's not what we do. They become part of our DNA. They become part of our family. We put our arms around them. They get closer every week. They start to share their heart. The Lord starts to heal them. The Lord shows up in their life. Their life becomes radically changed. And then guess what? They start doing it to the next kid that walks in through the door. 
If you have not figured it out yet, in your small groups, I know the guys don't talk this much, but the girls, they cry like almost every week. If you haven't figured it out, we are very, very troubled people. We're very, very broken. We're misfits. We're messed up. The deal is, we know it. The world out there doesn't. They pretend like everything's okay. They pretend like every, like, 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 I don't know why we admire, what's that, uh, Kim Kardashian. People are like, oh, she's, you know, this or that or whatever, you know. Like, like she's got her life together. Jay-Z or P. Diddy or whoever you're like, Justin Bieber. Well, we know Justin Bieber now screwed up. But, like, in general, you, everyone looks at these celebrities like they have their life together. They don't. They're messed up. They're just lying to themselves, and the rest of the world is believing it. We know that we are messed up because we are honest. Because, the, because God, he says, hey, you can be messed up around me because I'm here to help you. I'm here to fix you. I'm here to grow you. I'm here to heal you. The rest of the world, they don't have that option. They say, I have to be perfect so that everyone will accept me, love me, give me money. We don't pretend in this place. This is how churches die. They pretend. We do not pretend because family matters and we believe that it is true. Yes? Amen? amen. This is the first time I've ever heard you guys say amen, except at the end of prayer. Because, you know, like the adult service, they're like, amen. Especially the golfer coach. He's like, amen, every time. <laughs> I wish you guys would do that. Anyway, so... <laughs> Galatians, Galatians 3.28. Thank you, Grace, for reading that uh, very, very, very articulately. It was really nice. Um, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there female, male or female, for you all in one in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. Now, this is the deal. Uh, according to the Bible, guess what? You guys are uh, uh, black. You guys are white. You guys are yellow. You're pink polka dotted. Pastor Ronk says that. I hate it. He makes me mad every time he says that. But, okay, here are these things, right? No, in the Bible, it says you are all one. There's no gender. There's, gender equality is not something to be reached here. It is. Because we are all one. Yes? Amen? Yes. <laughs> you said it again. It's funny. <laughs> the deal is this. We have to remember that we are all one. That's what we're moving to. We're not moving towards, okay, we're going to keep the Taiwanese people over here, even though the Filipinos, they do sit, sep sit, sit together. Oh, they separate it. Man. Even though... Even though we have and celebrate our differences, we do not separate one another. And I'm not talking about affirmative action. Hey, you've got to put enough Asians here, another black people, we put them together. You know, like, no, I'm talking about genuinely in your heart. There's no separation. That's what the Bible says. Do you guys know in the church of Galatians, or the early church, actually all this, in Rome especially, right? There was slaves, tons and tons of slaves. In fact, a huge, uh, a, a huge percentage of the population, Jojo, was slaves. Some of those slaves were prostitute slaves. You know what prostitute slaves are? So you would have a woman as your slave, right? And you would put them in a temple, a prostitute temple. And this is their job, to have sex <laughs> as worship. So men would come in, and they would pay money. They would have sex with this prostitute, and it would be counted as worship. We sing worship songs. They have sex, right? So the church would have prostitute slaves in their church. They would have other slaves. They would have slaves that bought their freedom, so they'd have freed slaves. They would have rich people, and they'd have poor people. The kind of church that this place was, was when you walked in, it wouldn't just be um, um, ethnically diverse. It would also be social economic. It would be also like slaves and free, prostitutes, rich bankers. You see what I'm saying? It was a huge, diverse group, and there was tons and tons of problems. Paul did not say, hey, you know what? You guys, uh, prostitutes, we need to start a prostitute church. Slaves, we need to start a slave church. Rich church, we need to have a rich church. Because downtown, First Baptist, First Pres, those kind of churches, those are the rich churches. I go in those churches, and I'm uncomfortable. And I'm a pastor. 
I'm not saying that those churches are bad. I'm just saying that that's how I feel. When, when you walk into a very, very affluent church, this is not the church of the New Testament. Paul deal with, tell, dealt with this in, in, um, in Corinthians where the rich people would bring all the food because uh, communion, you know how we, have, we dip the bread and eat the... Communion was a meal back then. And all the rich people would bring the food. The poor people had no food. The rich people, they would come early because they don't have jobs. They didn't have to have jobs. They just old money. The poor people, they would come after, after work, late at night. They would walk in, and the rich people would be drunk. They'd be full. There'd be no food left. This was communion. And the poor people would walk up, and they would have nothing. They would just kind of sit in the corner and pray. This was the church. You see what I'm saying? And of course, Paul has a head in, just rips them to shreds in a good way, in a godly way. Right? This is the kind of church that they model for us, this diversity, because what, what does this do? When, when somebody walks in here and looks at our church, what happens when they see us, Wesley? They think God is doing something amazing because this is not what the rest of the world looks like. The rest of the world looks like James, uh, not James Brown, Michael Brown, looks like Baltimore. Do you see what I'm saying? That's what the rest of the world looks like. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? The riots, racial riots. That's what the rest of the world looks like because we cannot get along. That's what the rest of the world looks like, but not us. <sighs> All right, so why are we not getting any closer? I'm just going to run down these very, very fast. You guys got the premise. Number one, racism. In our hearts, there is racism. Now, it's not the racism, I hate black people, I hate white people, I hate yellow people, right? Some of you do, but... You need to stop. That's repent. You need to repent. That's sin. That's straight up sin. That's it. That's sin. But there's other racism too. There's really minor racism. Like uh, I think all of these people are like this. So I'm not. I'm really uncomfortable. I'm scared. I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to change my worldview about them. So <clears throat> my wife, she never, ever, ever thought that she would be getting with me. <laughs> Why? Because she, my wife was really insecure about her intelligence because when she was in fourth grade, right, she had, the, well, she had learning disability all her life, but when she was in fourth grade, her teacher told her she was stupid and she would never be able to read. And so she learned how to read in fourth, fifth grade. And so she always felt stupid around the Asians. They didn't want to hang out with her because they, they weren't smart. They didn't do AP bio. <laughs> right? But me, I'm a very special Asian. <laughs> I take all my intellect and I hide it in a 1.7 GPA. <laughs> Uh, so, I can, so I can present the gospel to all, <laughs> to intelligent people and not so intelligent people. No. But my wife, she didn't think she could get with me because she had this preconceived idea about what Asians are like, and so she never even thought about trying. I tried, so it was cool. Racism. So consider that. Like, when you go downstairs and you see those kids playing basketball, do you go and talk to them? Do you care? Does your heart beat for them? Maybe not. Why? Maybe because of the way you were raised. Maybe the way you think about certain people. That needs to change. That's not the gospel. Number two, fear. And this is really a big one. I don't know what to say. I, don't, I can't talk fancy talk. Right? You don't need to. You know what people really care about? If you care. Hey, how you doing? Good. All right. Good times. <laughs> right? But then you still hang out. What are you doing this week? You just keep going. It doesn't matter. They're not going to think, oh, when I first, well, they might. But it's not a big deal. After your best friends, it'll be cool. But like, oh, Grace, when we first started talking, it was really awkward. You were so awkward, right? But then eventually, like, Grace and I, like, anytime Grace is having a bad day, she's like, Howard, I'm having a bad day. And she does this. She leans towards me. You do my funeral. Lies. Lies. Fear. 
Selfishness. I don't want to be, com- I, I want to be comfortable. I come to church, I want to hang out with my friends. So I'm going to, oh, I don't get to see my friends all week. Uh, lies. Um, you know, like, you, you see what I'm saying? Like, you make up all these uh, excuses. I, I want to be comfortable. New people aren't comfortable. I hardly know them, you know. Uh, blinders. You're focused on yourself. A lot of people do this. I need to go to school. I go to church so I can put it on my college application, and I need to go to school. You know, you're not focused on anybody else. You don't have time in your heart to reach out to somebody else. Um, number five, identity. I'm not that guy. I'm not good at talking to people. I'm not outgoing like Kyung. Right? You think, I'm not that guy. That's your identity. No, every one of your identity is to be living gospel. That's your identity. Okay? So I give that identity to you now. If you, when you guys see yourself, you're like, I'm really cool because I have, like, flow like Max. Dang it, Max is not here. Um, if you look at his hair, his hair looks like, like Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise at times. <laughs> yeah, it looks like him. He's like, like this. Um, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to abandon that. Okay, um, sin. My life is such a mess, I can't reach out to others. Some of you guys think that your life is uh, in shambles. But you know what I noticed? That when I'm hurting because of sin and because of, of, of um, unfaithfulness to God, that when I reach out to other people, when, I beam that, when I'm that encouragement, that it starts to heal those things in my heart. It starts to make me focused more on God. It's an amazing thing. Okay? And then uh, immaturity. Some of you guys are like, well, the middle school especially, 12, 13, 14, right? They're really young. But you guys, in, you know, freshman, junior, sophomore, you guys are really still young. And so you guys can use your immaturity as an excuse. But I have, and I told this to the mission group yesterday as we were doing mission training, is that the rest of maybe the adults, maybe they don't think you can do it. Maybe they don't think that you can be a, a, a fiery witness for, for Jesus. But I do. Because I've seen young people do more crazy things than any old people. Did you know that every, and I, uh, me and Sheena talked about this when we were driving to Wesley's graduation and Ben's graduation. Even though I didn't see Ben at the graduation, it's fine. Congratulations, bro. Um, young people, every major movement, spiritual movement in the history of the church has been started through young people. And we, we, we likened it to this. Young people are the defibrillator of a church having a heart attack. You guys know what a defibrillator is? It's like, shh, clear, ching. <laughs> young people are the defibrillator of a church that's having a heart attack. That's what you guys are. When young people start to live out the gospel in a vibrant, fiery way, it makes the adults take notice, and then the, fi- the Spirit of God starts to move in them. Every major missions movement has been started by college students. Did you know that? Every single? Every single major missions movement. <clears throat> Turn it around. Okay, this is, how we, this is how I'm ending it. So like, here's practical. Here's practical, okay? Regularly pray for visitors by name and for future visitors. If you pray for people, guess what? Even if you hate them, you will start to love them. It's weird. If you hate your mom, pray for your mom. You'll start to love her. It's weird. When visitors start to come and you're praying for visitors, God, please let visitors come. As soon as visitors start showing up, you're like, yes! And you run to them. And of course, they freak you, you freak them out a little bit. But, but you've been praying for visitors to come. When you do that, right? You start to memorize their names because you're praying for them by name. You also want information because you want to get to know them, right? Because you're excited that they're there and you want them to stay, right? Number two, decide every week to sit by someone that you don't know. This is hard because I know you guys like to click. You guys like to sit in your little clicks, right? Aaron's in the middle of your click. (laughs) Do you guys see this? Anyway, um, you guys like to sit in your cliques. Sit in a, and even if you're visiting, college students, 
Colleges, I don't care. Oh, I just graduated, graduated college. I'm coming to hang out with my friends. No, you're not. You're coming here to help people. You come and you sit, ne sit, ne sit next to somebody you know. Hey, I've never met you before. I've been away at college at UGA doing bad stuff. But now I'm turning my life around because UGA is my past and I want to follow Jesus now. Right? All the UGA people are like, but it's true. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to speak in love. I'm going to try to speak in love. If you're visiting from college and you've been a part of this, this group, you should be praying for us. You should be coming to visit and you should be ministering to people that you don't know. You should not lose touch. I hate it when people come back and they're like, I don't know anybody anymore. Yeah, because we're constantly growing. That's our point. We want people to get to know Jesus in this place. We don't want the same people so that you sit there, young people, pew warm, and then get older and pew warm and then die. That's not what we're interested in. That's not what we're interested in. You get what I'm saying? So if you're a college student and you come back and you don't know somebody, you don't know people, you need to go sit next to them and talk to them and say, hey, I don't know you, but I love this church and I'm a part of this thing. Right? All the college students are like, I'm so uncomfortable right now. Yes, be uncomfortable. You should not come back here and say, like, I don't know anybody. Wrong. Sinners. Sinners. Okay. I say that in love. Um... <laughs> Number three, go out of your way to talk to someone you haven't met yet. That's, that's fine. Um, don't, say, don't say, hey, how many weeks have you been here? They'll be in like two years. You're like, ah, I'm, a, I'm such a jerk. Right? Because they will say that. And if you're new here, say two years. Anytime anybody asks you, how long have you been going here? Two years. Now teach them a lesson. Oh, you haven't noticed me? That's what you say. I welcome, visitors, I welcome you to say that. Insult our people. All right? Until you become our people, then, you know. <laughs> then you'll be insulted. All right. And then five, uh, if you're good at it, if you have a heart for it, like you're like, you know what, Howard, your message just fired me up. Hopefully it's all of you guys. Hopefully you guys will be like, I want to join the greeting team. We don't have a greeting team. Our staff greet the team. But you know what matters? Family matters. Yeah, that was a trick. You guys failed. When we walked through that door and my son, Ezekiel, right, saw his brothers and sisters, he was like, and they're just like, yeah, that's cool. Hey, good job, buddy. You know? Why did it matter when their dad and mom, who are the most important people to them, and I loved him, I hugged him, and I pulled his hair, and I said, good job, buckaroo, right? right? Why, did not that, why did that not matter that much? When we are staff, and we say, hey, welcome, we love you, come, be a part of us, it's because it's our job. People think it's our job. But when, they're, when, they're, when, when peers come around them and say, hey, man, we're so glad you're here. Are you on staff here? No. I just love Jesus. And I want you to love Jesus. You get what I'm saying? It makes a huge difference. So I'm going to go home and rebuke my children and tell them to encourage Ezekiel so he doesn't become insecure. All right. Uh, number six, uh, be, prepared, uh, be prepared. This is important. Be prepared to invite a visitor somewhere. You guys go to bubble tea every week. Yup. Invite them. I, I invite them to play ping pong, but I'm so devastatingly good, it's not even fun for them. But in general, bubble tea, anybody can do, right? And if it gives you gas because you're lactose intolerant, you can have a cupcake. You see what I'm saying? Take them out somewhere, right? Hang them. And this is the thing. It might not be on Sunday. You can go, hey, you should come to college group. Hey, you should come to CrossFit. And you guys could come to CrossFit too, right? <laughs> right? You, could go, you guys could go study together. You guys could go play basketball together. We have, we have a lot of stuff that we do right? Invite them to go. Mall. Girls, I don't know why you guys go to the mall. It's just like, don't, don't, do, that's, that, <laughs> actually, he, he goes to the mall because her, her, she works there, so, okay. 
uh, church events and stuff like that. Okay, and then number seven, make, make use of social media. Guys, listen, listen, don't lose me here. Make use of social media. Facebook, find out their name. Hey, can I hook you up on, uh, on, on Facebook? And then in, start inviting them to everything. Hey, I thought you might be interested. Why don't you come to there? Because you know what ends up, pe- what, uh, what ends up happening? People walk through that door, nobody says a word to them, and they feel awkward, uncomfortable, and then they leave and they say, I'm never going to subject myself to that again. How many of you guys have ever felt that way? I mean, not in our church necessarily. But if it's our church too, I mean, you raise your hand. You see what I'm saying? Like, it should be like as soon as you come in, people are like, hey, what's your name? Uh, Kadira. I love your hat and your sculpture. I want a sculpture. So, you know, like, that's what, that's what should be happening, right? I do, I do want a sculpture. Okay. Okay. Yes, I want that one. Okay. Are we good? Are we good? Was that good? Do you guys understand that? All right, college students, if you say, come in here and say, I don't know anybody, I will rebuke you. I know everybody. Right? <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, I love you guys very, very, very much. I believe in you guys very, very, very much. And I think God is doing something amazing. I just don't want our church to, to kind of slip into, oh, we're comfortable now. Oh, we're getting bigger. Things are good. Right? We have a purpose. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for everybody that's here. Thank you so much for our college students. I I know I gave them a hard time, but you know how much I love them, Lord. And I just pray, God, that you would just help them to understand that you've called them to be leaders in this group, that we are a family, and that when we have older siblings, it makes a difference. Just pray that they would get out of their shell, stop being afraid to to engage, that they would come alongside a little sister or a little brother and say, hey, I'm really impressed with you. I'm really proud of you. Hey, this is what I see in you. God, help them to see uh, that what they say and what they do matters. And I just pray for all of our people, from the youngest to the oldest, God, that we would be the kind of people that would be so welcoming that we would not be able to have enough room in this place, that we would have to shut this upstairs down and uh, take over the gym. And thank you so much for asking us to be the defibrillator of our church. And uh, help us to continue to be that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Um, Sharon is going to be closing in prayer. They're offering buckets right there, right? If you believe in our ministry and you are part of it, you should probably be tithing, you know. And, And Jesus loves that, too.